Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Oh man. Well, hey, y'all look good this morning. Y'all look real good. You sound even better. And it's so great for me to be here. So I just want to tell you this from, from the bottom of my heart. Um, thank you guys for the way that what you pray um, for D.C. Thank you for the way in which you, you love on the room of the house that's a little bit north from here. Um, right now, um, I'm a little bit mad about Florida's weather because um, I'm a Florida boy. And I live kind of in the north-ish right now. And it's, um, it's going to snow, I think, on Tuesday. And how many know right now that snow in March is not of God? <laughs> I'm over it. Okay, I'm over winter, but let me tell you what I'm not over. I'm not overseeing what God's doing uh, in one of the most impactful cities in our nation. Um, and Celebration Church is, is the reason we're doing that. Um, and so how many know that, that things rise and they fall on leadership? And so how many know that here at Celebration, we are blessed? And when I, when I say blessed, it would be all capital letters if I were to text it. I would shout it to you. We are blessed to have the senior pastors that we do. Pastor Stovall, Pastor Gary, come on, can we honor them this morning? How many of you are just grateful for pastors that love you, pastors that will encourage you, they'll challenge you to step into your calling? And, and let me just tell you this, my wife and I, we have been able to step into the calling that God has on our life because we have pastors who believe in us and who push us into that calling. And I'm so grateful uh, and I'm so honored uh, to be part of, of this family uh, of churches. And so this morning, I want to introduce you a little bit to my family. My wife is here. She's over there, Nicole, but I'm going to throw up a picture so you can see um, our offspring. We've been married for 16 years. Um, that love has produced uh, three children. Uh, do we have that picture? Maybe not. Oh, there they are. Hey, look at that. This was taken right when we moved to D.C. when we were still tan. Um, we're not, we're not tan anymore. Uh, this is the first time in my life that my legs and my feet are the same color. Those of you that live in Florida, you know that, that struggle. But my oldest son is Caden in the middle, um, and there is, he's eight, and there's Haley, she's five, and there's Declan, he's two. Um, the look on his face says everything you need to know about him. He needs Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to pray that God will just touch his heart. We want him to be saved, um, but it is very apparent by the look on his face in a family picture that he is not saved. And so we'll continue um, to pray. Hey, if you got your Bibles, would you go ahead and grab them? We're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to read from uh, 1 Kings. And then if, you, uh, if you're able to, go ahead and put your finger in Luke um, chapter 9. We're going to read a couple verses there, uh, and that will give us kind of our, our text for the morning, and then we'll unpack it. And so let's go to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. We'll read two verses there, and then we're over. Um, to Luke chapter 9. And here's how the Bible reads. So he departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him, and he cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what? I have done for you. And he returned from him, following him, and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them. He boiled their flesh with the yoke of oxen, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose, and he went after Elijah and assisted him. 
Keeping all that in mind, we look now at Luke chapter 9. This is Jesus talking. He says, they were going along the road and someone said to him, I will follow you wherever, he go, wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And then Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and yet another said, I will follow you. But first let me say farewell to those that are at my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Church, let's bow our heads and our hearts for prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace, for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for a place like celebration where we can gather. God, we can join in with, with the cloud of witnesses in heaven. And God, when we lift our voices and we sing, God, it's not just this room, Lord, that's filling heaven's chambers, but God, it is the, the voices of saints of old and the voices of saints of now. And so God, we, we declare with them that you are holy, that you are good, and that your kindness and your graciousness is to us. And so God, we thank you for your word. And so God, we pray now in the next few moments, God, you'd open our hearts and our minds. God, we get past the things we've got to do today. We get past the, the agenda items that are coming for us on Monday. And God, we would sit here fully immersed in your presence so that we might hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. God, I believe you have a word for us this morning. Not just the precepts of a man, but God, I believe that by your Holy Spirit, you want to speak to each person in this room. And so God, I pray that you would get me out of the way so that your Spirit might move in a powerful, powerful way. In the precious and the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Elijah is a, a powerful character in the Old Testament. There are moments where even Elisha's notoriety and his fame finds him even in the New Testament. You see, he was a prophet of strength and power. And, and so Elijah finds himself even in New Testament references, but in the Old Testament, Elijah, he was that dude. Elijah, in this passage, we see him just coming from some incredible sort of, sort of exploits. You might be familiar with the passage, but he has kind of this showdown with the uh, prophets of Baal. And Elijah ends up demonstrating God's power, God's might, comes in. If you're a trash-talking sort of person, Elijah is a Bible character for you. You see, as, he, as he's standing there and he's kind of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with these false prophets, he begins to taunt them. He begins to let them know, hey, perhaps if you'll pray louder, your God will be active. What ends up happening is Yahweh brings fire, takes away the altar and all the sacrifice that have been saturated in water, demonstrating that, that our God, that our God is stronger and greater than all of the gods that would be out there. And Elijah is in this moment of strength and power. And then in the text, what we see is Elijah moves from a place of victory, moves from a place of kind of winning, moves from a place of just being, man, on top of the mountain. And then we find Elijah running for his life. Maybe that speaks to you this morning because maybe you've been in a place where God has moved in your life strong and powerful. And you've been in a place where you've seen God demonstrate his hand and you've seen God demonstrate his favor in your life. But then in a moment, fear grips your heart. Anxiety begins to rise. And this happens to Elijah. And Elijah runs, runs for his life. He finds himself in a cave. In that cave, he expected to see God move in a powerful way, in a strong demonstration, and yet what he got was a still, small voice. 
So Elijah moving from that scenario, this place of victory, this place of fear, then to this place of comfort by God's presence and God's spirit, we find Elijah kind of walking along the road and the text does not give us any insight to what he was thinking, what was going on in his heart and what was going on in his mind. All we know is that when he saw Elisha, when he saw Elisha, he knew that this was God's guy. There was something about him. Something stirred in his heart, something erupted. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you from this thought, from this idea for the next few moments. It's your call. It's your call. Because I believe that you're here on a Sunday morning, and the reality is this, what's happening in celebration is not normal. God's moving in a powerful way in these services, a powerful way in this community. And I want you to hear me today. Came all the way to D.C. to tell you this. There's a call of God on your life, but it's your call. And if you're not careful, here's what will happen. Your calling will be squandered because you don't step into it. See, the reality is this is Elijah sees Elisha, and Elisha is in a place of comfort. The Bible says that he had, he had loads of oxen. There were 12 oxen. This speaks to either his wealth or his parents' wealth. He has no reason to leave his place of comfort and step into something new. You see, friends, here's what God will do from time to time in our life is God will send someone, send someone to make an action of movement towards us to remind us of God's faithfulness. So what happens here is Elijah takes his cloak and he throws it upon Elisha. This was the signal that, hey, the mantle's being transferred to you. What's on me is now on you. The calling and the office I'm holding, it's now yours. And what a powerful, powerful thing. And Elisha does what you and I would probably do. He pauses. He pauses. You see, there's this calling moment. And that calling moment, if we're not careful, we'll miss stepping into it. And then it leads us into a place of delay, and here's the problem for us. You and I need to remember this, that our lives are made up of two things, moments and memories. Our lives are made up of moments and memories, and the problem with us is this, is that we forget that the way in which we handle our moments will determine the type of memories that we're carrying around. And so many of you are here this morning, and you're carrying around memories that you were never intended to carry because you didn't steward the moments of your life properly. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if we're not careful, even these moments of revival and these moments of awakening, if we don't steward them right, all they'll be is pictures on your Instagram and all they'll be are things that you remember from 2018 where God moved in the church that you were a part of. And what I want to tell you this morning is don't miss this moment because it'll be a memory that'll last for your entire life. Don't miss this moment to step into it. You see, Elisha, it's this feeling of, ah, oh, me, now. And do you see what he says in the text to Elijah? He says, let me first go back and see about my family. You see, he's struggling with this idea of what's his calling. He's got a job. He's in a business. He's in relationship and community with his family. He's not sure what the call of God is is on his life, and so if you'll let me just for a moment, I wanna help clear up something. I, I've talked to people for numbers of years in settings like this, and I always hear kind of this same question. How do I know God's will for my life? How many would be honest and you say, in the end of the room, you'd ask that question, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Half of the room's telling the truth, 
and the other half, liars. So we've all asked that question, how do, how do I know God's will for my life? And so I just want to help you with this because I think sometimes we complicate this. And I think if we just make it simple, it's easy for us to grab hold of. You see, the, the, the primary calling on all of us, we have a 1A and a 1B calling in our lives. All of us in this room have the same 1A calling. It's the same. And it's to be a follower of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The call of God on your life is to be a whole life fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's it. That's the call of God on your life. Now the 1B is how do you express that in your day-to-day -day life? Now many of us, many of us put more energy and more effort, more resources, more time in discovering 1B. Some of you in this room are in, in debt up to your eyeballs because you didn't take the opportunity to go to Celebration College. Hello. Um, and you pursued a degree that you're not even in a career for any longer. But man, you have some great memories. Or not. You see, if you're not careful, here's what you do. You, you, you spend all sorts of time, resources, energy, effort to develop you for 1B. What are you going to do 9 to 5? And I'm telling you, that's important. But it's actually not the primary importance of your life. The primary importance of your life is are you a follower of Jesus? And are you doing that with your entire life? You see, many of us, we're, we're real good at following Jesus with our, with our heart. We get into environments like this and we lift our hands and we lift our voices. We sing super loud if they sing our song. But if they don't sing our song, I'm not singing at all. I'm going to pout and I'm going to wait until they play my jam. And if they don't play my jam two weeks in a row... I'm finding another church. <laughs> you laugh, but stop me when I'm lying. You see, if we're not careful, what we, what we do is we put all this emphasis in the wrong area. The calling in your life is to be a whole life follower of Jesus, not just with your heart, but also with your hands. So in, in churches, when you hear things like serving week and you hear things, you know, coming up, opportunities for outreach, opportunities to be part of the dream team, Please don't ignore those. Don't look awkwardly at your neighbor. Because the reality is this, is God wants you to be a follower with your heart, with your emotions, with your hands, with your energy, with your strength, but also with your intellect. Some of you need to hear this. You're not invited to check your brain at the door because God wants all of it. So some of you, let me just talk to a few of you in the room that you're here and you're more analytical in the way in which you're thinking and you get in worship environments and you're like, what meaneth this? <laughs> let, let me just help you for a second. Let your, let your mind be fully awake, but do not ever allow your mind to take captive your heart and your hands so that you can't move into the, the moments where the spirit is real. Let your mind, friend, descend into your heart. Let your mind find this way to where you just, man, you're in God's presence. And you're like, man, I can't fully understand it, but I promise you something's happening here. Man, I've been waiting to be in the room here at Jacksonville. You know why? Because I've been watching online. And I'm like, man, I just want to get in the room and I just want to feel it. I just want to feel it. Can I just tell you? 
can feel it. Man, God's doing something. And it's, it's great to be a part of it. It's great to see. But here's the problem. If you only stand there and you only kind of critique it and you only study it, man, but you never step in and let it saturate who you are, you'll miss the opportunity to be who God called you to be. The other misconception, the other misconception when we talk about calling is we think that, that certain people express their devotion to Jesus just better. So we think that people that are like pastors, well, like, of course, of course they're like really devoted followers of Jesus. Like, oh, the reason why I'm a, I'm a good like, husband is because I'm a pastor. No, no, the reason I'm a good husband is because I'm a follower of Jesus. The reason why I desire to be a good father is because I'm a disciple of Jesus, not because my profession tells me so. You see, we've seen this all throughout society in different generations and different moments where people have tried to just express vocationally a devotion to Jesus and they've fallen short because they never had a heart for God. And what I'm saying to you, businessman, what I'm saying to you, entrepreneur, what I'm saying to you, person who feels this stirring is the primary thing you have to do is not figure out the how, but figure out the who. And the who's Jesus. So Elisha's in this moment where his, the mantle's put on him, and it freaks him out. Why? Because he was in places of comfort. Because he had a job. He had a career. Everything looked good. But the call of God does not care what your profession is. The call of God just wants you to step into it. And so listen to me this morning. Because I honestly believe God wants to disrupt some of your beautiful little lives. I believe some of you have been watching sort of this revival. You've been watching awakening take place. And you're like, well, bless God, that's just happening to those folks. It's just wonderful. And week after week, you find yourself sitting further and further back. Why? Because you don't want to be in the splash zone. You don't want to be in the spot where God just might, just might nudge you in a service. Where you might come in on a Sunday, week of spring break, have no expectation for God just to yank you out of something. I'm just telling you, friends, I didn't come from D.C. just because I wanted to tell I do. But I'm here this morning because I believe there's people in the room that need to respond to the call of God on their life. You see, the delay will kill you. The delay will, will be the thing that will disrupt. I love the way it translates in Hebrew where Elijah basically says this. He says, don't forget what I've done to you. Don't forget what I've done for you. You see, Elijah recognizes the weight of the moment, even though Elisha's in a place of pause. You ever been in a moment where you, you felt God stirring, and your initial reaction, if you were honest, wasn't to step forward, but it was just a pause? Because you were uncertain? Maybe in the room and you're like me, you like to plan out every, every detail of your life. You love to have control. But God, but God invites us to a, a life of faith. Isn't it interesting the way God works? You see, God's no different than you and I as parents. Don't we want our kids to respond quickly to our voice? I remember growing up in my mom and dad's house. And maybe you can identify with this. I remember being at 17, and I thought my parents were idiots. So I would gather up with all the other 17-year-old know-it-alls, 17-year-old geniuses, we would get together and we would lament, oh, I'm so sorry that you've got to deal with your parents. I know. Doing my best to help them. 
But then you get a little bit of age. You move from 17, then you're maybe in your, in your, in your 20s. Or for me, when I got married, I went, huh. I just, my, dad, my dad's not, he's not nearly, he's not nearly as dumb as I thought he was. He, bless God, he knows some things. And then when we have kids, parents are geniuses. Forget Google. I'm like, hey, just call mama. Nicole, call mama. She knows. Mama knows something. It's interesting how the perspective of the wisdom of the people that had been there all along changes when our perspective changes. See, all I want for my kids is the same thing that my parents wanted for me. They wanted when they heard, when I heard my dad's voice, when I heard my mom's voice, they wanted me to respond. So I'm not wanting delayed obedience. Some of you need to hear this morning that delayed obedience is full-on disobedience. When God speaks, he wants a response now. He doesn't want to respond after you think and you ponder. God wants you to weigh it in your heart, and then he wants you to move. When, the, when God's in the room, don't let him leave. When God's stirring your heart, don't let that subside. You see, what God wants is no different than what I want with my kids because there's going to be a moment when they're in peril. And dad's voice is going to come. And I'm going to want them to be trained. And I'm going to want them to be conditioned to when they hear the voice of the father, they respond immediately. You see, you and I, we have a difficult time doing that with God because we don't do that in real life. The reality is this, friends. If you and I are not willing to respond, we're going to miss God. You see, because we want control, and faith requires risk requires risk. I don't know if you've been told that, but you're invited into this life of faith. You're invited into this faith wall, and, and the reality is this, is it is, it's full of risk. Let me tell you a story. About a year ago, about a year ago, I was, came home. I was working at a, a Southeastern University, and I had one of those days. You've had them. It wasn't a terrible day at work, but it's one of those days where you come home and you're just grateful that you don't live by yourself and you get someone that you can kind of just share all the frustration with. That's my wife, and we're just kind of talking. And I was frustrated. And so I, I said, you know, I said, you know who's not dealing with stuff like this? You know who? Josh Turner. I said, Josh Turner isn't dealing with this. Sure, Josh has got his own troubles. Josh has got his own, his own challenges, his own things he's got to deal with, pastoring a church. I said, but I would love, I would love to be dealing with the things that Josh is having to deal with and not dealing with this sort of stuff. You ever have a conversation where you started getting more truthful than you wanted to? But then after you say it, you got to pay rent on it? It's, it's already out there in the atmosphere. So I had one of those moments. I found myself, the slippery slope for me was I was moving from being truthful to being very, very authentic and very open and very, very raw. I looked at my wife and I said, I said, but you know why? I said, you know why I'm not pastoring a church? I said, because I'm afraid. I said, I'm afraid. I'm the guy that everybody says that I can't miss. I get called to do consulting. I speak different places. I teach practical ministry. I'm the guy that on paper is a can't miss. And I'm telling you, I don't know if I can do it. And I'm afraid. My wife just looks at me across the bedroom, just smiles. She says, well, you're going to have to do something with that. <laughs> and then leaves the room. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. 
babe, come back. <laughs> Need some help with this. See, the reality is, right about a year ago, I was afraid to step into the calling that God had on my life. I was terrified. The dreams that I was dreaming were better when I was asleep versus when I was awake. Some of you feel that in this morning. You feel that. Your best life takes place when you're dreaming. Your, your best reality is when you close your eyes, not what you step into what you're living. Can I just tell you this celebration, church? Can I just tell you that a year ago I might have been afraid, but I promise you right now I'm wide awake. I'm stepping into all that God has for my life, not because of my talent, not because of my ability, but because of God's faithfulness. All it requires is us to be willing to take a risk, be willing to step into a moment. What I love, what I love about Elisha is he has this moment of pause. I love when the Bible's not too far for me to grab hold of. I love when there's people in the Bible that would do the same sort of thing that I would do. You have this moment of calling and you go, yes, and then you go, oh, no. But then the beautiful moment, beautiful moment where he comes back and he burns every symbol from his old life. Why? Because, friends, there are some bridges that you and I need to burn. Can I just say this to some of you in the morning? The band's going to come. and Some of us. The reason why your plan A hasn't been developed is because you've been too worried and too busy planning your plan B. You haven't stepped into what God called you to because you've been focused on the backup plan. Can I just say this to you this morning? Because here's the, here's the call. Here's what we're all building to. There's some people in this room, there's some things in your life that you need to burn. You need to let it all die. You need to let it all go. You need to look at Elisha and go, that's what I'm doing. That old plan, I'm burning it. That old thought, I'm burning it. The old trajectory of my life, I'm letting it go. And yes, you might be leaving something that's comfortable. But can I promise you that God's calling is better than any comfort that you and I have ever had. Come on, church, let's do this. Will you stand to your feet all across this room? Come on. I believe there's some of you in this room, there's gonna be two movements here. So listen to me. Some of you, what you need to hear, the call of God on your life right now, right now, is for you to stop living for yourself and for you to come into a relationship with Jesus. Not just in your heart, not just in your hand, but in your, your, the totality of who you are fully submitted to Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. If you're in the room this morning and you can feel it in your, in your guts, then Jesus is calling you. He's calling you out of darkness and into life. He's calling you out of your past into your, your bright future of hope. Come on, if that's you this morning, no one looking around on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you just to lift your hand. One, two, three. Come on, I see hands going all across the room. All across the room. Come on, hold it high. Amazing. Now listen, I wanna lead you in a prayer. And then we're gonna have one final movement. 
Come on, every head bow, every eye closed. Come on, if you've raised your hand, I want you to pray this with me. I want you to pray it strong enough so you can hear yourself. And then church, I want us to pray this so that the people that are raising their hand, they can hear and see and know that there is a church family that's beside them from step one. Come on, let's pray this, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. I believe, I accept it, and I receive the finished work of Jesus and eternal life. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's give it up for everybody that made that decision. That's awesome. Listen to me, if you're here and you raised your hand, come on, I want to challenge you. Don't walk out of this place without letting somebody know. You see, it's easy to walk into a room like this and feel like you get lost, but I'm telling you at Celebration, what we want more than anything else is to be able to come alongside you and help you grow at every step and every movement of your relationship with Jesus. Now, come on, listen to me. Here's the, the final movement of this call. If you're here and God's been stirring you in your heart, God's calling you out of something. Maybe it's a, a past, maybe it's an old way of thinking. Maybe for you, it, it, there is this call of God, it's stirring you and you've been in this period of delay. You've been in this period of waiting. You've been standing back. You can, you feel that as we were talking this morning, you could feel it. I know this moment isn't gonna be for everyone, but I know it's for someone. And so listen to me, I, I know there's really slick ways to do this but I'm not a guest, I'm family. So I don't need to be slick. Here's what we're gonna do. If that's you this morning, you can sense God calling you. You can sense God, God pointing you out. You can sense God saying, hey, come on, come this way. You've been going this way and I'm redirecting your life in this moment. You've been feeling it. Some of you, you've been feeling it for the past few weeks and you've been pushing it off, hoping that this would all just die down. It's not going to. Creator of the universe, so big and so vast to hold the heavens in the palm of his hand, also has the ability to be so small and intricate that he's dealing with you in this moment. If that's you, I want you to come down to this altar. Come on, we're gonna pray with you, come on. If that's you, come on and come down. You can feel it, you know it. You know it, come on, nobody's even gotta coach you. You just, you know it, you're just gonna come. Come on, as you come, we're gonna be able to lift our voice. We're gonna create an atmosphere of worship. Come on, our prayer team's gonna come and pray. Come on, church, people following Jesus, following the call of God on your life. Come on, there's some things in your life that need to burn. If there's some things you need to set fire to, there's no greater place to put fire to your plans than at the altar. Come on, guys, let's go. Still coming. Still coming. Love it. Now listen to me. I want to pray over you. So I'm asking you to do this. Would you just close your eyes? Would you just extend your hands towards heaven? This is a universal sign all over the place of, of surrender. We're, we're, we're surrendering our heart. We're surrendering our will. 
Come on, we're gonna pray here in a moment, and then we're gonna go into a moment of worship. Listen to me, when you, when you begin to sing out, when you begin to go into this moment of, of lifting your voice, be mindful of what you sing, because we're making commitments to God. We're making promises that we know God will come through on. So Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you see every person, God, standing in this altar. God, you see every destiny. You see every decision. And God, you know the cost that they're paying right now. Well, they're walking away from something, a relationship, a profession, a career. And God, they're stepping into all that you have for them. They'll go wherever. They'll do whatever. They're submitted fully to you. And so, God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, you would empower them. God, that this calling is not just by a person, but this is by the living God. And God, that you would come in like a fresh fire. God, stir them. Stir them in a mighty way, Jesus. In a mighty way. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.